Section One of The Wood Beyond the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Corrie Samuel. The Wood Beyond the World by William Morris. Chapter One of Golden Walter and His Father. A while ago there was a young man, dwelling in a great and goodly city by the sea, which had to name Langton-on-Holm. He was but of five-and-twenty winters, a fair-faced man, yellow-haired, tall and strong, rather wiser than foolisher than young men are mostly wont, a valiant youth, and a kind, not of many words but courteous of speech, no roisterer, not masterful, but peaceful and knowing how to forbear in a fray a perilous foe, and a trusty war-fellow. His father, with whom he was dwelling when this tale begins, was a great merchant, richer than a baron of the land, a headman of the greatest of the lineages of Langton, and a captain of the port. He was of the lineage of the Goldings, therefore was he called Bartholomew Golden, and his son Golden Walter. Now ye may well deem that such a youngling as this was looked upon by all as a lucky man without a lack. But there was this flaw in his lot, whereas he had fallen into the toils of love of a woman exceeding fair, and had taken her to wife, she not unwilling as it seemed. But when they had been wedded some six months, he found by manifest tokens, that his fairness was not so much to her, but that she must seek to the foulness of one worser than he in all ways wherefore his rest departed from him, whereas he hated her for her untruth and her hatred of him. Yet, would the sound of her voice, as she came and went in the house, make his heart beat, and the sight of her stirred desire within him, so that he longed for her to be sweet and kind with him, and deemed that, might it be so, he should forget all the evil gone by. But it was not so, for ever when she saw him her face changed, and her hatred of him became manifest, and howsoever she was sweet with others, with him she was hard and sour. So this went on a while, till the chambers of his father's house, yea, the very streets of the city, became loathsome to him. And yet he called to mind that the world was wide, and he but a young man. So on a day, as he sat with his father alone, he spake to him, and said, Father, I was on the quays even now, and I looked on the ships that were nigh bound, and thy sign I saw on a tall ship that seemed to me nighest bound. Will it be long ere she sail? Nay, said his father, that ship which hight the Catherine, will they warp out of the haven in two days' time? But why askest thou of her? The shortest word is best, father, said Walter, and this it is that I would depart in the said ship, and see other lands. Yea, and whither, son? said the merchant. Whither she goeth, said Walter, for I am ill at ease at home, as thou wottest, father. The merchant held his peace a while, and looked hard on his son, for there was strong love between them. But at last he said, Well, son, maybe it were best for thee, but maybe also we shall not meet again. Yet if we do meet, father, then shalt thou see a new man in me. Well, 
said Bartholomew, at least I know on whom to lay the loss of thee, and when thou art gone, for thou shalt have thine own way herein, she shall no longer abide in my house. Nay, but it were for the strife that should arise thenceforth betwixt her kindred and ours, it should go somewhat worse with her than that. Said Walter, I pray thee shame her not more than needs must be, lest, so doing, thou shame both me and thyself also. Bartholomew held his peace again for a while. Then he said, Goeth she with child, my son? Walter reddened, and said, I wot not, nor of whom the child may be. Then they both sat silent, till Bartholomew spake, saying, The end of it is, son, that this is Monday, and that thou shalt go aboard in the small hours of Wednesday, and meanwhile I shall look to it that thou go not away empty-handed, the skipper of the Catherine is a good man and true, and knows the seas well, and my servant, Robert the Low, who is clerk of the lading, is trustworthy and wise, and as myself in all matters that look towards Chaffer. The Catherine is new and stout-builded, and should be lucky, whereas she is under the ward of her, who is the saint called upon in the church where thou wert christened, and myself before thee, and thy mother, and my father and mother, all lie under the chancel thereof as thou wottest. Therewith the elder rose up, and went his ways about his business, and there was no more said betwixt him and his son on this matter. CHAPTER Two, GOLDEN WALTER TAKES SHIP TO SAIL THE SEAS When Walter went down to the Catherine next morning, there was the skipper Geoffrey, who did him reverence, and made him all cheer, and showed him his room aboard ship, and the plenteous goods which his father had sent down to the quays already, such haste as he had made. Walter thanked his father's love in his heart, but otherwise took little heed to his affairs, but wore away the time about the haven, gazing listlessly on the ships that were making them ready outward, or unlading, and the mariners and aliens coming and going, and all these were to him as the curious images woven on a tapestry. At last, when he had well-nigh come back again to the Catherine, he saw there a tall ship, which he had scarce noted before, a ship all bound, which had her boats out, and men sitting to the oars thereof, ready to tow her outward when the hawser should be cast off, and by seeming her mariners were but abiding for some one or other to come aboard. So Walter stood idly watching the said ship, and as he looked, lo, folk passing him toward the gangway, these were three. First came a dwarf, dark brown of hue and hideous, with long arms and ears exceeding great, and dog-teeth that stuck out like the fangs of a wild beast. He was clad in a rich coat of yellow silk, and bare in his hand a crooked bow, and was girt with a broad sax. After him came a maiden, young by seeming, of scarce twenty summers, fairer face as a flower, grey-eyed, brown-haired, with lips full and red, slim and gentle of body. Simple was her array, of a short and straight green gown, so that on her right ankle was clear to see an iron ring. Last of the three was a lady, tall and stately, so radiant of visage and glorious of raiment, that it were hard to say what like she was, for scarce might the eye gaze steady upon her exceeding beauty. 
yet must every son of Adam who found himself anigh her lift up his eyes again after he had dropped them, and look again on her, and yet again, and yet again. Even so did Walter, and as the three passed by him, it seemed to him as if all the other folk thereabout had vanished and were naught. Nor had he any vision before his eyes of any looking on them, save himself alone. They went over the gangway into the ship, and he saw them go along the deck till they came to the house on the poop, and entered it, and were gone from his sight. There he stood staring, till, little by little, the thronging people of the quays came into his eye-shot again. Then he saw how the hawser was cast off, and the boats fell to tugging the big ship toward the harbour-mouth, with hail and how of men. Then the sail fell down from the yard, and was sheeted home, and filled with the fair wind, as the ship's bows ran up on the first green wave outside the haven. Even therewith the shipman cast abroad a banner, whereon was done, in a green field, a grim wolf ramping up against a maiden, and so went the ship upon her way. Walter stood a while, staring at her empty place, where the waves ran into the haven-mouth, and then turned aside and toward the Catherine, and at first he was minded to go ask shipmaster Geoffrey of what he knew concerning the said ship and her alien wayfarers. But then it came into his mind that all this was but an imagination or dream of the day, and that he were best to leave it untold to any. So therewith he went his way from the waterside, and through the streets unto his father's house. But when he was but a little way thence, and the door was before him, him seemed for a moment of time that he beheld those three coming out down the steps of stone and into the street. To wit, the dwarf, the maiden, and the stately lady. But when he stood still to abide their coming, and looked toward them, lo, there was nothing before him save the goodly house of Bartholomew Golden, and three children and a cur-dog playing about the steps thereof, and about him were four or five passers-by going about their business. Then was he all confused in his mind, and knew not what to make of it, whether those whom he had seemed to see pass aboard ship were but images of a dream, or children of Adam in very flesh. Howsoever, he entered the house, and found his father in the chamber, and fell to speech with him about their matters, but for all that he loved his father, and worshipped him as a wise and valiant man, yet at that hour he might not hearken the words of his mouth, so much was his mind entangled in the thought of those three, and they were ever before his eyes, as if they had been painted on a table by the best of limners. And of the two women he thought exceeding much, and cast no white upon himself for running after the desire of strange women. For he said to himself that he desired not either of the twain. Nay, he might not tell which of the twain, the maiden or the stately queen, were clearest to his eyes, but saw he desired to see both of them again, and to know what they were. So wore the hours till the Wednesday morning, and it was time that he should bid farewell to his father and get aboard ship. But his father led him down to the quays and on to the Catherine, and there Walter embraced him, not without tears and forebodings, for his heart was full. Then presently the old man went aland, the gangway was unshipped, the hawsers cast off, the oars of the towing-boats splashed in the dark water, the sail fell down from the yard and was sheeted home, 
and out plunged the Catherine, into the misty sea, and rolled up the grey slopes, casting abroad her ancient withal, whereon was beaten the token of Bartholomew Golden, to wit a B and a G to the right and the left, and there above a cross and a triangle rising from the midst. Walter stood on the stern, and beheld, yet more with the mind of him than with his eyes, for it all seemed but the double of what the other ship had done. And the thought of it, as if the twain were as beads strung on one string, and led away by it into the same place, and thence to go in the like order, and so on, again and again, and never to draw nigher to each other. CHAPTER Three, WALTER HEARETH TIDINGS OF THE DEATH OF HIS FATHER Fast sailed the Catherine over the seas, and naught befell to tell of, either to herself or her crew. She came to one cheaping town, and then to another, and so on to a third and a fourth, and at each was buying and selling after the manner of Chapman, and Walter not only looked on the doings of his father's folk, but lent a hand, what he might, to help them in all matters, whether it were in seaman's craft, or in chaffer. And the further he went, and the longer the time wore, the more he was eased of his old trouble, wherein his wife and her treason had to do. But as for the other trouble, to wit his desire and longing to come up with those three, it yet flickered before him, and though he had not seen them again as one sees people in the streets, and as if he might touch them if he would, yet were their images often before his mind's eye. And yet, as time wore, not so often, nor so troublously, and forsooth both to those about him and to himself, he seemed as a man well healed of his melancholy mood. Now they left that fourth stead, and sailed over the seas, and came to a fifth, a very great and fair city, which they had made more than seven months from Langton on Holm, and by this time was Walter taking heed and joyance in such things as were toward in that fair city, so far from his kindred, and especially he looked on the fair women there, and desired them, and loved them, but lightly, as befalleth young men. Now this was the last country whereto the Catherine was bound, so there they abode some ten months in daily chaffer, and in pleasuring them in beholding all that there was of rare and goodly and making merry with the merchants, and the townsfolk, and the country-folk beyond the gates. And Walter was grown as busy and gay, as a strong young man is like to be, and was as one who would fain be of some account amongst his own folk. But at the end of this while it befell on a day, as he was leaving his hostel for his booth in the market, and had the door in his hand, there stood before him three mariners in the guise of his own country and with them was one of clerkly aspect, whom he knew at once for his father's scrivener, Arnold Penstrong by name. And when Walter saw him, his heart failed him, and he cried out, Arnold, what tidings? Is all well with the folk at Langton? Said Arnold, Evil tidings are come with me. Matters are ill with thy folk, for I may not hide that thy father, Bartholomew Golden, is dead, God rest his soul. At that word, it was to Walter as if all that trouble, which but now had sat so light upon him, was once again fresh and heavy, and that his past life of the last few months had never been, and it was to him as if he saw his father lying dead on his bed, 
and heard the folk lamenting about the house. He held his peace a while, and then he said in a voice as of an angry man, What, Arnold? And did he die in his bed, or how? For he was neither old nor ailing when we parted. Said Arnold, Yea, in his bed he died, but first he was somewhat sword-bitten. Yea, and how? quoth Walter. Said Arnold, When thou wert gone, in a few days wearing, thy father sent thy wife out of his house, back to her kindred of the Reddings, with no honour, and yet with no such shame as might have been, without blame to us, of those who knew the tale of thee and her, which God a mercy will be pretty much the whole of the city. Nevertheless, the Reddings took it amiss, and would have a moat with us goldings to talk of booting. By ill luck we yea said that, for the saving of the city's peace. But what betide? We met in our guildhall, and there befell the talk between us, and in that talk certain words could not be hidden, though they were none too seemly nor too meek. And the said words once spoken drew forth the wetted steel, and there then was the hewing and thrusting. Two of ours were slain outright on the floor, and four of theirs, and many were hurt on either side. Of these was thy father, for, as thou mayest well deem, he was naught backward in the fray, but despite his hurts, two in the side and one on the arm, he went home on his own feet, and we deemed that we had come to our above. But well away, it was an evil victory, whereas in ten days he died of his hurts. God have his soul. But now, my master, thou mayest well wot that I am not come to tell thee this only, but moreover to bear the word of the kindred, to wit, that thou come back with me straight away in the swift cutter, which hath borne me and the tidings, and thou mayest look to it, that though she be swift and light, she is a keel full weatherly. Then said Walter, This is a bidding of war. Come back will I, and the Reddings shall wot of my coming. Are ye all bound? Yea, said Arnold, we may up anchor this very day, or to-morrow morn at the latest. But what aileth thee, master, that thou starest so wild over my shoulder? I pray thee not to take it so much to heart. Ever it is the want of fathers to depart this world before their sons. But Walter's visage, from wrathful red, had become pale, and he pointed up street and cried out, Look, dost thou see? See what, master? quoth Arnold. What? Here cometh an ape in gay raiment, belike the beast of some jongler. Nay, by God's wounds, tis a man, though he be exceedingly misshapen like a very devil. Yea, and now there cometh a pretty maid, going as if she were of his many. And lo, here, a most goodly and noble lady. Yea, I see, and doubtless she owneth both the two, and is of the greatest of the folk of this fair city. For on the maiden's ankle I saw an iron ring, which betokeneth thraldom amongst these aliens. But this is strange. For notest thou not how the folk in the street heed not this quaint show? Nay, not even the stately lady, though she be as lovely as a goddess of the Gentiles, and beareth on her gems that were by Langton twice over. Surely they must be overwont to strange and gallant sights. But now, master, but now! Yea, what is it? said Walter. Why, master, they should not yet be gone out of eyeshot, yet gone they are. 
What is become of them? Are they sunk into the earth?' "'Tush, man,' said Walter, looking not on Arnold, but still staring down the street. "'They have gone into some house, while thine eyes were turned from them a moment.' "'Nay, master, nay,' said Arnold. "'Mine eyes were not off them one instant of time.' "'Well,' said Walter, somewhat snappishly, "'they are gone now, and what have we to do to heed such toys, "'we with all this grief and strife on our hands? "'Now would I be alone to turn the matter of thine errand over in my mind. "'Meantime, do thou tell the shipmaster Geoffrey and our other folk of these tidings, "'and thereafter get thee all ready.' and come hither to me before sunrise to-morrow, and I shall be ready for my part, and so sail we back to Langton. Therewith he turned him back into the house, and the others went their ways. But Walter sat alone in his chamber a long while, and pondered these things in his mind. And whiles he made up his mind that he would think no more of the vision of those three, but would fare back to Langton, and enter into the strife with the Reddings, and quell them, or die else. But lo! when he was quite steady in this doom, and his heart was lightened thereby, he found that he thought no more of the Reddings and their strife, but as matters that were past and done with, and that now he was thinking and devising if by any means he might find out in what land dwelt those three. And then again he strove to put that from him, saying that what he had seen was but meat for one brain-sick and a dreamer of dreams. But furthermore, he thought, yea, and was Arnold, who this last time had seen the images of those three, a dreamer of waking dreams? For he was not wanted in such wise. Then thought he, at least I am well content that he spake to me of their likeness, not I to him. For so I may tell that there was at least something before my eyes which grew not out of mine own brain. And yet again, why should I follow them? and what should I get by it? And indeed how should I set about it? Thus he turned the matter over and over, and at last, seeing that if he grew no foolisher over it, he grew no wiser, he became weary thereof, and bestirred him, and saw to the trussing up of his goods, and made all ready for his departure, and so wore the day and slept at nightfall, and at daybreak comes Arnold to lead him to their keel, which hight the Bartholomew. He tarried naught, and with few farewells went aboard ship, and an hour after they were in the open sea, with the ship's head turned toward Langton-on-Holm. End of section 1